This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of I Want to Matter. Your life is too short and too precious to waste. Written and narrated by New York Times bestseller Kathy Lee Gifford. Available now everywhere you get audiobooks. Did your church cancel services last weekend? Worship went online in unprecedented numbers, and social distancing has us all asking, can real church happen on the internet? This is Device and Virtue. Hey, welcome back to Device and Virtue, where we argue the wrongs and rights of technology and faith in everyday life. Today is a weird day. It is a weird day. (laughs) Everyday life is really changing. I'm Chris. I'm coming to you from Chicago. And I'm Adam. I am outside Chicago, where it's much safer. (laughs) Because people are farther apart here. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. We are Mm. recording during the coronavirus pandemic which yeah. it's a tuesday march 17th so i think folks will probably hear this all times but lots of stuff has happened in 72 hours adam yeah it's kind of day one of not not quite a lockdown but i'm calling it the self-quarantine episode we're doing but yeah we're kind of all hunkered down in our own little cocoons it's so funny. We're not officially like quarantined or anything, although the, our future selves might look, listen back to this and just laugh at us. Right? <laughs> Don't you make it that face? Because like, yeah, I mean, dude, like, what was it? The CDC just a few, four days ago was like, hey, gatherings of 250 people or less. We want to keep that under that. Yeah. And I was like, okay, you know, you're watching these sort of conferences cancel. And then they're sort of like, hey, gatherings of 50 people mm-hmm. or less. Or then uh, the president said gatherings of 10 people or less last night. Yeah. And our governor closed all restaurants and public bars or, or this, you know, public yeah. spaces. The great thing is you can still get delivery. I'm really, I'm really happy because <laughs> Chipotle is doing free delivery oh, until, DoorDash. <laughs> until the end of March, at least. So. Are you a gua- are, you, are you a heavy guacamole person? Is this- you know what? I think I do have a free guac on my app, so <laughs> I'll definitely be indulging in some guacamole soon. Someone asked me yesterday, "Do you remember when you first heard about the coronavirus? Did you, um, when do you do you remember this?" So I I don't actually know when I first heard about it, but I actually okay. So sometimes I send myself emails from like my work email to my home email. Don't ask. <laughs> I don't just. Don't give me that look. It's fine. So I had found, who was it? The Johns Hopkins tracking all the coronavirus around the world. And so I sent myself a link on my home computer. So I've actually, and I just saw that email and it was January 31st when I started like tracking it. So I I had it on my phone. Uh, There's a decent mobile app that was just tracking three numbers, infection, uh, mortality and recovered and I was I was checking that every couple of days, and then probably every day for a while. And now it's a little less again. But um, you were already checking that, like at the begin on January thirty first, like every yeah, day. Of yeah, course, I, Ad, of course, Adam was doing this, <laughs> <laughs> worried about the thing uh, coming to get him. Yeah, there's bad things out in the world. They're coming to get me. <laughs> oh gosh, I man, I don't. I'm a good the evangelical. First, I don't think <laughs> I don't think the first time. 
I think it was later than that for me. I don't mm. think I was paying attention. I mean, maybe they had a occasional news article that I read. I read a lot of news, but I don't think I was paying attention to it. I honestly, I do remember when I first thought it became serious. And it was like, yeah, because I'll be honest, I've been a little bit dismissive. I've been a little bit more like, eh, yeah, yeah, this isn't as big deal as people are saying. And then more and more, I've had to get convinced. When I thought it was big, <laughs> everyone has different things for this, is when the NCAA tournament got canceled. I'm like, you're kidding. No. Wow. <laughs> it took you that long? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. So, like, even before, so last Wednesday, that I think they declared it a national health emergency, right? Is that, I don't know if that's the technical term, something yes. like that. Last Wednesday. The weekend before, I'm proud to say, I have record of this, I, I, I texted my whole family on our text thread, and I said, we need to talk about coronavirus plans. And oh, wow. and my brother-in-law made a joke, which is fine. But we talked about it a little bit. We talked about the fact that our parents are our most vulnerable. My dad has some immune yeah, uh, compromised sure. for himself. And so so we talked, but we just sort of talked about it. You know, I was like, I told my sister, don't panic. This is just precautionary. Yeah. But we had a conversation about it. But I, I had friends even then kind of feeling dismissive about it. Not, and I... I'm not like, like, like me. Like yeah, me. <laughs> I'm not like panicking about it. But I was like, no, this is this is pretty serious, and and let's just have a conversation, and rather than be dismissive of it. And if it turns out that I'm wrong, great. I'd then, I'd, I'd happily be wrong about it. And then Disney World kills. <laughs> like, oh dang! <laughs> Are you kidding, dude? Have you, I never gotten like approximately 110 emails from brands telling me how oh they're adjusting gosh, to the coronavirus? So, so some of them have been helpful and useful. Some of them like <laughs> like a little bit extraneous. I mean, Express yep. for Men emailed me. <laughs> Hey, that's, that's important. Are you still able to shop or just? Oh, shop yeah. oh no, they were definitely just sort of saying something virtuous and then sending me a link to their sale. You know what I'm saying? Oh, okay, good. <laughs> the coronavirus coupon. Oh gosh, so ridiculous. Oh man, that's scary. So I had someone ask me this. What do you think? Obviously, we think about the technology side, like, and where is technology kind of playing a role in this? And what do you think? Do you think you, you've been sort of dismissive? Do you think people have been overreacting to this? Like we had SARS in 2002. We had H1N1 swine flu in 2009. And like we were not doing this stuff. Right. In the last two decades. So like, do you think this is a big difference? And It feels uh, different, doesn't it? I mean, it, I remember it, yeah. H1N1 and SARS, but we certainly did not have, I mean, now we can objectively say there's a difference. At least there was a difference in the reaction, right? The events that have closed, society has shut down. But if you were talking, you and I were talking just a week ago, I would have said, feels like a big overreaction. It's probably about the same as those others. I get it that it's a little bit different than flu. There's some differences. But I was probably still okay with the flu analogy (laughs) a little bit because I'm (laughs) sort of saying, well, flu is all over the place. We're just so used to it. It really does tend to kill people that are more vulnerable. And that's what this is doing. Yeah. But there's a big change, you think? I think we all are experiencing this big change, and I think we're all trying to figure out. We've sort of been in this culture of fake news and misinformation and questioning media reports, and now we have this this event that feels much more, in some ways, real <laughs> than, right, right, than right. all the news that we get. And we're trying to gauge, like, in this culture of fake news, how do we understand what's happening right now? And so I what think, do you th- yeah, what do you think the big difference is? Well, I, 
I think the question for me is how much it has social media played a role in this? How, you know, in 2009, we had, we were, you know, three or four years into Facebook. Twitter was just a couple years old. You know, when SARS came out in 2001, 2002, like we really, we had blogs. Yeah. And uh, so it social is media. So, wow, you're right. It is so weird to map like technical history onto like news events because it's sort of as easy to like think back and go everything that was we have now we had then but it's not true yeah you're saying yeah. like the social media is like a thousand times bigger than it was when we had those things yeah yeah the, the way i've sort of been thinking about it is so coronavirus spreads in two ways okay the first way is the actual infection the the physical infection that people get from person mm-hmm. to person mm-hmm. and they're saying that Roughly, for every one person that has it, thus far, kind of about 2.2 people are getting infected. It's called the R naught number. It's oh. it's a combi- oh. combination of numbers, but or it's a calculation. Oh, but, I see. But yeah, so there's this infection rate, right? Right. By and the way, did you that, see that really cool? Totally going to derail you. Did you see that really cool Washington Post article yesterday of the guy that coded? using data, the little bouncing balls in a room that <laughs> showed you how that. infections pass from person to person. Yes. And then he simulated whether like there's a quarantine or not a quarantine, this kind of stuff, or yeah. social, and social distancing. distancing. Yeah. That, and I loved it because it was like, it was journalism, but it was coded. And so like every time you visit that page, it reruns the simulation and it yeah. comes out a little differently. Yeah. Let's, l- let's include that on the show notes. It's a free article on the Washington post. Yeah, yeah, totally a lot of their right, stuff right. is behind a paywall, but this right. one is open because they wanted everybody to kind of be aware of it. So right. yeah, it Anyways, was super cool, yeah, yeah. but you're, you're right. So that's really the infection rate and how people are, are getting infected. And, and so there's the physical reality of it, but I want to also think about it as, um, a mental or emotional event as well. And so it spreads mm. not, not only the infection, it also spreads anxiety. Hmm. 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 Yes. And it's, and the way it spreads anxiety is a different pattern. It spreads differently than it spreads through the infection. And oh, when, I th- when I think about what the social media aspect is doing and how that is informing the anxiety, informing the questions that are going on in people's minds, and you know, on top of that, the fake news and, and the questions around who should I trust, who should I believe, all of those are factors that we sort of have to calculate for in how the anxiety spreads, how it maybe turns into panic, how it turns into these Not other a pandemic, things. pandemic, but a panic. <laughs> pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, as you were saying, if like, we could somehow map the anxiety spread, like the Washington Post article that had the bouncing balls, there'd be a different pattern there. There'd be ways that maybe someone's sharing something on a feed, and then all, the, all their friends see it over in this world or something because right. the algorithm works. And so that's bouncing around like little balls mm-hmm. on its own way. That's actually yeah. separate from the way the actual... Uh, germ is is bouncing or the virus right right and and I might be more susceptible uh, to the that anxiety if I hear it from one person that I trust more yeah. and I'd be less susceptible to it if I heard from another person or yeah. from a, from a from a certain outlet if I hear it from Fox News versus CNN I might react differently uh, depending on mm-hmm. which one I trust more mm-hmm. and so I think we've got these dynamics around 
the panic or the anxiety that happens. And, and I want to sort of recognize there's, and this is kind of what I told my family when we were talking about it a, a week and a half ago was, yes, maybe it's not, maybe none of us will get infected and that, and so we don't need to worry about that, but we are going to be affected by all the people who have anxiety or are panicking mm-hmm. about it. That's, and people are going to act on that anxiety and that's going to affect us even if we don't get infected with the actual virus. Right, right. Yeah, this is a real... <laughs> Do you think, like, I also think about the interaction between broadcast media and social media on this. Mm. So, I mean, you and I talk about this. Yeah. Right? But broadcast yeah. media is the one-to-many media, so it's TV right. or, or radio. Uh, you can't talk back is the big difference. Digital media or social media is the way communication scholars will talk about, you know, media that's not broadcast media, meaning you can interact with that. So you can either right. comment on it or edit it or do something. So all social media falls into that category. A lot of stuff on our phones falls into that category, but not just watching something. Yeah. Because the, the broadcast media and the digit, like it's like the social media is validating or invalidating the broadcast media vibes. I was watching the press conference live yesterday with, who's the head of infectious disease stuff? Dr. Fucci? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he's been in like all the national um, press conferences every day. Like President Trump will be there. And then he's sort of like the second guy that gets up to speak. Okay. And what I've heard is he's he's really well respected as a, you know, scientist, doctor. He's, Mm -hmm. that's what he does. But I think people are watching that. You know how Facebook has watch parties? Have you done? Have you ever done this? No, you're, you're, I've never done of course that. you have. I don't know what you're talking so like, about. So like, well, people will click on a live stream of like the broadcast coming at them, and they like when they click, "Hey, I start a watch party." It invites your friends to watch oh. it live with you, and then you can comment on it. I can't, <laughs> okay. Of course, you haven't done this. <laughs> but I'm just sort of thinking like, and I've not done a lot of these to be fair. But I'm sort of thinking there's that's you're talking about the way the anxiety spreads from person to person. It's like the broadcast media is interjecting these little bits of new things into the zone, and then people's own networks in this other digital social space is bouncing around, right. spreading it. It's like it's like changes the color, like from I don't know, light purple to dark purple to darkest purple. <laughs> I don't know what I mean. <laughs> like there's different versions of that bouncing around is the yeah. point with the different yeah. injections of broadcast media. Yeah, um, yeah. and they play back on fourth and and then eventually it loops back because the broadcast media winds up having to address questions that are coming up on social. For instance, oh, I, saw something, yeah. literally, I literally saw something posted on yesterday on Facebook that said, if you gargle with salt water, the coronavirus for the first four days stays in your throat. I saw this. It's a graphic. It's a GIF graphic. And it stays in your throat. And if you gargle with salt water hard, you'll kill it before it goes down into your lungs. And I looked at that and said, I mean, it was a fairly decent graphic. I was like, really? I'm like, this does not sound true. And I Googled for it, immediately factcheck.org. Snopes said this isn't true. But but the CDC had to answer it last night because it went so viral last night. Oh, wow. That's saying if you gargle with salt water, it'll get rid of the coronavirus. And the answer is no, it doesn't. It it could help a sore throat. Uh, yeah, it could help that's interesting. Pain, but it doesn't do it. And so, like, the broadcast media is having to react to the social and vice versa. So I think it's interesting you used the phrase that it went viral. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we're going to play with that one for a long time. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, we've picked up that, that phrasing. And I, I, I wonder if we'll... <laughs> do you I think, think we're, we're going to hate that phrase now? I don't know. It's completely that, new. <laughs> it, <laughs> Too soon? I, I kind of wonder, like, are, are we like, actually, we don't really like that term anymore because, ugh. But it was an appropriate analogy to pick up to think about that difference between how an infectious disease spreads and how something like anxiety or excitement, I mean, it could be other emotions in other cases, as well, you know, 
but they also spread in a semi-viral way. It would be interesting to come up with a R-naught number for the virality of a meme or an idea as it spreads across the internet. I'm sure someone really smart could come up with that. The other wow. thing that I'm really stuck on is that you said GIF. <laughs> it's, I, I can't, I can't even, I don't know what to do with that. I didn't, you, you really call it a GIF. It's, a, I call it a GIF. Hard yeah. G, man. Yeah. Yeah. I wish you were right. I, I am right. Your, your wish is my command. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> God is a genius storyteller, and the evidence of this is threaded throughout Scripture. In Christianity Today's new show, Holy Curiosity, with me, Kat Armstrong, we explore storied connections threaded throughout Scripture from the Old Testament to the New. Our first miniseries, Connecting Dinah and the Woman at the Well, welcomes experts like Drs. Tim Mackey and Diane Landberg to give us insight and context into the physical location and meaning of these two stories. These stories will spark holy curiosity in your own faith, because once you see these connections, you can't unsee them. God wastes no person, place, or thing. Listen and subscribe to Holy Curiosity with Kat Armstrong on your favorite podcast platform. So the big thing I've been thinking about during this whole thing has been this whole change for how we're doing church with coronavirus. Oh, yeah. No kidding. I want to hear what your church did. Mine did something different. I got this, you know, someone tweeted at us, Carl Franzen tweeted at us and said, hey, you guys on the podcast, what, what have you <laughs> seen about theological thinking about online or streaming services? I think it's going to be really relevant, you know, gathering yes. virtually. There's a change of participation. Oh my gosh! Right on, right on, what Carl. Did you, what did you? What did you guys do this weekend for church? Yeah, yeah. So because we were just in the middle of trying to decide, like, it, do you, do you even have gatherings? How does right, this work? Right. Yeah. So it was. I mean, it was all developing. You know, Thursday, Friday last week. Yeah. Sometime Thursday or Friday, we got an email from one of our lead pastors just saying, "Hey, we're we're still planning to meet," and already the week before we had. Because we do communion every Sunday, they were doing reserve, a reserved communion where you just do the bread. And they said, we're going to continue that, but we're going to meet like we normally do. Oh, so they like don't use, uh, don't do the cup or the wine. Yeah, so it's not a, like it, yeah, a little bit less a, germy, essentially. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah. And so I was like, great. And then, and then, yeah, I think they had already started to limit, you know, the size of groups. And I had I had friends that were like, I don't think I'm going to go to church, or you shouldn't be going to church. That's really irresponsible. And then by Saturday, the church sent out another email saying, hey, we're canceling our service, but we are going to do a streaming of the sermon. So like in 24 hours, they went from one position almost to the next position. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, okay, we have to cancel this. Yeah. Right, exactly. And so, yeah, so we, I, for the first time, for me, I'm pretty sure I watched church from my bed. <laughs> I literally grabbed my phone. I don't think I'd even gotten out of bed. I just slept until 10 
And I, I'm going to guess you're the not phone. the only one that suddenly was like I, I pulled PJ the phone Church. out and yeah, clicked right. on the link in my email, and it popped up, and it worked out pretty well, actually. Uh, I mean, given that they were doing it on short notice, and our church doesn't normally uh, live stream the service. Oh, yeah, you're not as far as I know. It's a you're, you have um, a bigger church. I mean, it's over a thousand people. Yeah, but but it's not. They don't normally do the live stream. Yeah, something. our church places a high value on people being present. We, we do have sermons on a podcast and things like that, but they don't really push it. It's really for people who are sick or on the margins or unable to attend for, for various reasons. So my church actually did decide to meet. We did meet this weekend. But oh, really? Was that, well, I mean, to be fair, one, it was on Saturday. We meet on okay. Saturdays right now. We're a new church plant, and we okay. have like we usually have like 30 people or less, yeah. you know. And so we were a small enough group at that point. They were still sort of saying, you know, 250 or they might have just dropped it to 50 but we were just below that too yeah yeah so and we have a very um low risk population like a lot of younger 20 somethings so we did meet but we all washed our hands when we walked in the door (laughs) we like ushered people to the hand washing station (laughs) everyone washed their hands thoroughly there was sanitizer and things but you know we're not even sure we're going to meet again at this point oh really are there other congregations in our little in our network in the city here did not meet because they're bigger or they had risk factors yeah, it's a weird thing. I have been thinking so much about online streaming, online church, and wait for it, online communion. <laughs> like whether yeah. you can do Eucharist or communion or the Lord's Supper or whatever we call it in our traditions, uh-huh. whether you can do that online, which is super controversial. <laughs> yes. I, yeah. So our our church places a high value on communion. We do it every Sunday. So yeah, it was sort of it was already an adjustment last week to like not not have the wine with the bread. It's yeah, and of, you're in a, you're in an Anglican church, yeah, so right. an Anglican evangelical church. I don't know if everyone knows what you know how that works, but essentially, you know, a church that really is uh, uh, gospel centered, but also is like does a lot of the sacraments are more right than a yeah, like a yeah. like a Rick Warren kind of church or something. It's much sort of quote yeah. a higher church than that. Yeah. yeah. And I grew up in a lot of lower churches where we did it once a month or once every uh, right. quarter or something like that. So this is kind of the first church that I've been a part of where we're taking it every Sunday. This whole but, situation. Oh, sorry. Well, yeah, I was just going to ask kind of what your opinion is about. <laughs> like, Wait, you think I have an opinion about this? <laughs> oh, I'm, you, <laughs> you have an opinion about most things. So you would definitely I, have an This situation this. is tailor-made for you two. Yeah. It's crazy because it's technology and theology together. This is what, in communications. Like this is a question about how we could do this if we need to be apart but together. And in right. some churches, they're just like, well, we're going to do the sermon online. We're used to doing live streaming in the sermon, and we'll have someone talk. We'll pray together, and then we just won't do communion until we get back together in person, right? Yeah. But in other right. churches, especially like you're in my church, we do communion every week. Like, it's it's an important part of what how we gather. Say we're like, like this, dude, I'm for like three months. Are we not going to do communion? Like, at all? Right. No. Like I, this, I hope not. <laughs> or say they say, you know, right now, some people are staying in their homes, but... The only official instruction is try to keep it not public groups, but you can see right. person to person. Right. Right. But say they finally go to something, say we're forced to go to something like Italy, where like, hey, you need to, except for emergencies, um, please stay in your home. Yeah. 
what are we going to do with that? And so I got excited about this. I, <laughs> I started writing an article. By the way, I will have an article out on this, and I don't know when oh, it will be okay. um, Great. with the podcast or not. But about the question of, like, what does it look like for the church to do communion online? I mean, the good thing is this isn't the first time we've started to think about it. We've been thinking about some of these questions for a while. Well, you and I have, and the center for, was your center at Durham that you have a master's degree from? (laughs) Well, it's now called the Center for Digital Theology. Okay, right, right. They did a, just in 2018, they did a a whole little colloquium conference on online sacraments, right? Yep, exactly. thinking about that. Yeah, the academics, always ahead of their time, right? (laughs) They're, they're, They're thinking about, you know, can you, can you take communion in some virtual space and it be effective, meaningful, real. Right. And real is an interesting word. Here is my, a lot of denominations have not thought about this. I was actually messaging with um, a conservative reformed sort of Presbyterian scholar. And he was saying, no, the, like the Presbyterian church in America has never considered this specifically. Yeah. You know, I was looking up the Methodists have some back in 2013, they had a board to sort of look at it and even write a paper about it. Yeah. Yeah. But I think a lot of denominations or churches have thought about this as this exotic theological topic. <laughs> it's like, it's about the same as can aliens get saved? Right. Right. <laughs> right. Should, like, should, we, should we baptize extraterrestrials? Right. Because eh, we'll like, it feels like a fun theoretical topic. Maybe it would happen one day or something, but it's not something big. The closest we've come is, remember Second Life, that yeah. video game where people yep. I don't I've never have you, have you never played it I've never played it I've not been in Second Life okay so like I've just watched videos I've done of some it. VR but that's it but you can have like an avatar and you you know run around in this virtual world and there was an Anglican group that set up an Anglican cathedral on a right. virtual island in yeah. Second Life yeah, yeah, yeah. and they started doing communion it's a bunch of people you know didn't love that wrote some papers about it and then other people defended it but I think we're in a totally new world. And so my point for this article I've just um, nearly finished is COVID-19 is going to t- force the church to change its discussion on online sacraments. Huh. And I think that's the spark. And yeah. I think the kindling that will keep it burning is not the coronavirus, but it's the fact that you and I have been on smartphones for now about 12 years. And our mode of communication between each other has changed. It's not the new technology. I say this all the time. You can start laughing now. Technologies start in three phases for us. They start from <laughs> a toy, then they move to a tool, uh-huh. and they move to an environment. When we start with a new technology, it's fun. We play with it. We do. We text whatever we want. We're like, I don't yep. know, goofy yep. stuff. We just play with it, which is why when you use this recording software that you and I are using right now, when uh-huh. you used this two weeks ago, you put a stupid name as your name, and then I couldn't find the recording <laughs> for a little bit because you were... Uh, Do you remember that? Because <laughs> you're yes, playing with it. Yes. <laughs> because it was new. It's like going to Best Buy and playing with stuff. And then it eventually gets to a tool where people go, oh, if I use this text message and text someone to meet up with them, they'll show up and it works. So I yeah. can use it. Right. But they typically talk about it like that. They're like, I texted the person to do this or I loaded up this new app and did it like this. And they talk about the technology mm-hmm. at the tool. But eventually it becomes the third stage, environmental stage. In an environment, you don't notice it. You just do it. So I feel like right now I'm just having a conversation with you. <laughs> yeah. I'm not really uh, think. I'm honestly not thinking about the fact that we're, we're doing this in a quarantine state. We're actually on an app that's brand new. It's only been out for two months to record distance yeah. podcast, right? So like we don't, we don't think about that as much. And so I think digital communication around FaceTime, around text messaging, and all the other tools we use to, and I'm using tools specifically there, to communicate interrelationally, okay. they've become really environmental now. 
Yeah. They've just become so normal with our like our spouses or our friends. We talk and argue and share love and joy and pain, mm-hmm. in, especially in our most intimate relationships, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that has changed the natural culture, the culture being what's normal here, mm-hmm. underneath the conversation of online sacraments. Even, I think, different than 2013 when the Methodist Church was releasing a paper on it. Mm-hmm. And so I think theologians will not like this but i think the time is right for people to be like yeah that feels really natural to just do do communion online i've thought about how to do it so what do you think about yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) that and that's where i was going next like what 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 logistically goes on there you see what i'm saying how the culture shifted and i think that's going to change this yeah the deal yeah 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 i do think we are more comfortable with interacting with each other. We've learned maybe to read each other a little bit better in those contexts. We've learned right. what the cues are and we've learned how to sort of interpret the, the new ways of communicating, including emojis. You know, how do we communicate yeah. our emotions yeah, yeah. or... And, and honestly, people laugh about that but if you've ever read what is it scott mcleod's understanding comics i know that's random from a field <laughs> but you know what i'm talking about this book i, I think i've heard you talk uh, about it yeah. oh you've never so i mean he talks about uh, go read it he talks about when you draw a comic you know sometimes it's a simplified stick figure kind of version right. but sometimes the emotions we draw on a face actually draw us in more because they're not quite as complex as the full facial. They show an emotion more directly and right. cleanly. Does right, that make sense? Right, 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 right. And yep. emojis sort of do the same thing. Emoji allow us to focus in on sort of the one emotion we want to communicate. And sometimes yeah. it's actually more clear, not necessarily oh. less clear. Oh. It's like, Less <laughs> ambiguous. Yeah, I could see and so, that. And, but also, if we send a GIF... <laughs> to a friend, say, and it's a sarcastic like or a pop culture thing, mm-hmm. we can communicate... Uh, complex sort of reactions yeah. to things, pulling from culture. And so we have all these ways of doing this. Now. Yeah, and in the same way that some people know lots of big words, other people use emojis <laughs> and they become really adept at finding just the right emoji, just the right gif for communicating the emotion that they have. But the other person also has to, they have to quote unquote know the word. They have to. They have to get the symbol. They have, they to, have to be able to, to receive that. They have exactly. to be able to read the emoji as well, or or the gif as well, and and interpret it the way it's being intended, because they they know the language that the emoji is. Right? Yeah, you know, and I say this all the time, but Charles Craft, Professor Charles Craft at Fuller Seminary, always said, "Meaning is in the receptor." Meaning mm. is then the person that's hearing it. Like the meaning has to land. And he used to talk about missiology that way. He said, you know, if you just because you said the gospel, if the other person didn't understand a word you said, doesn't let you off the hook. Like there was this <laughs> sort of idea of like, well, go preach the gospel and mm. it's their fault if they don't get it. You know, it's like, no, it's our fault if we do, they don't get it. You know, the person has to be able to hear it. Well, wasn't it, I think it was St. Francis, he said, at all times preach the gospel and if necessary, use emojis. <laughs> I was going to chastise you for this, but no, oh, I'm just going to definitely let that go. <laughs> so here's what I picture, though, man, like on how this yeah, could work. Yeah, how's this going to work? Well, okay, so we need to talk about the word presence. 
Because okay. presence is the word we just discussed. We just talked about being present to each other digitally, like the way we use emoji or the way right. we use real-time right. communication. Right. We've talked about this in other episodes, like the three dots that pop up that show us someone is live with us. Yeah. But presence is a theological word. It's a category around sacraments. It's used by a lot of denominations. There's argument around this, right? Yeah. Whether you're yeah. Catholic or yeah. you're sort of lower church on how God is present. Like when Jesus says, you know, this is my body. There's tons of language around what this is. Is this real presence? Is yeah. this a means of grace? Yeah. Is this uh, immemorial of Christ's death? These are different categories, right, for the way right. that different denominations see this. But everyone agrees there's a mystery that there's a holy mystery is actually the way an Anglicans would put it. <laughs> there's a holy mystery around God is really there. Yes, yeah, right? right. Like he's really with us as we do this in some way. And then we just argue about how he is. So it's super yeah. controversial. Yeah, but the word absolutely. presence is key, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it maps technological presence, maps onto theological presence. What do you mean by that? Uh, it maps. Meaning, meaning that there's a relationship between these two ideas. So in oh, okay. communion, I think God is present to us when we share the table together. Mm-hmm. And. I think God is present to us in the bread and in the cup. Mm-hmm. And then God is also present to us in the what we call the body of Christ, the people of God. Okay. Right? Those are the two things. We, those are the two big biblical images around the presence with the body of Christ. Okay. And that's at the table. What's also required is the presence of the Holy Spirit. Send your spirit upon these gifts that they may become for us the body and blood of Christ. That's the <laughs> Book of Common Prayer. Can the body of Christ be present to a gathered church on a Zoom call? Mm. Mm. <laughs> and I think absolutely yes. So, yeah, yeah. yeah if, if, if the church gathers together on a Zoom call and they enter into it as church themselves— and they're yes, participating in right, it right, right, as right. as the church. If they're if they're believing that it's the church as they participate in it, is it functionally or in reality different from gathering together physically? If they are entering into it wholeheartedly, yeah. And that physical is the good word. That's what I should have just said it a second ago. Because what I'm saying is that physicality is not the same as presence. Ah. Uh. They're, they're, they're related, right? They are related. physical body. But you and I are present to each other right now. You and I, we, can, we have this app so we yep. can see each other, yep. even though everyone yep. else can just hear us. But we can see each other's facial expressions, where you mm-hmm. can interact with each other's minds and our hearts. And we're present, but we're not physically present to each other. Right. Now, I'm not right. saying this is the same as physical presence. When I get to see you at some point on the other end of uh, probably 2021, I'll be <laughs> yeah, honest right. with you, and I can actually give you a hug. I will yeah. like that. That'll be a good thing, right? We will celebrate. <laughs> so I'm not discounting physical presence. We are not Gnostic. We think the body is good and God made it. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying physicality is different than other kinds of presence. It's, a par- it's one of the kinds of presence. Yeah, the, there's, a, there's a role that attention plays in presence. Like, I could be mm-hmm. with you. But I could be on my cell phone. I could be physically with you on my cell phone. Am I right. present with you? Right. Kind of, but right. not totally. And if I pull out my phone and I'm in church and I'm texting someone that's not in church, yeah. am I present with the body of Christ? Well, sort you're present of. to the person you're texting, really, more I'm than you are to the, the person, person next I'm to texting you. in some yeah. ways. Yeah. And and so I think we, we, we need to think not just about physicality, as important as it is. We also need to think about where our attention is. And I think, I think that's part of what prayer is about, right? Prayer is bringing us attentively into the presence of God, too. 
I think the prayer is huge. I was, I'll admit this, on Sunday morning this weekend, I was, I live stream hopped from live stream to live stream. Oh my gosh. Because <laughs> you that, just that's, could. That's definitely a sin. <laughs> I that's know, definitely I know. a sin. It's definitely a sin. I mean, it was just because, you know, I was sort of going from when I knew, you know, I'm close to a lot of churches. <laughs> oh but all these churches are like probably doing, li- some were doing live stream for the first time ever. Others were used to it. Yeah. But I'm clicking into these. I'm jumping in. I jumped into one and a pastor was standing there right next to the table. And they had the elements set out there, the bread yeah. and the cup. And he said, hey, thank you for watching this broadcast. And I thought, no. And I smacked my head in my head. I was like, <laughs> this shouldn't be a broadcast where we watch. And there was no one else there. They had like maybe one or two other staff people with them. But the yeah. rest of the church was just watching. Mm-hmm. And why I didn't like broadcast is what I'm saying from before, that I broadcast is wake one to many versus there's interactive. So here's how my pitch for how this looks. Okay. Picture a Zoom call. You'd have to do this with a church that's smaller. I'm just saying. Say you have a line of 30 to 40 people sitting in little video squares on your screen, and they're all able to talk and interact. And then the pastor gets on. Maybe it's the center square. And the pastor's there with bread and wine. And say other people have bread in their home. They Mm -hmm. have bread. They have bread with them. It's not necessarily the same bread. I realize it's controversial. I send your tweets to divisive virtue, but, yeah. they, but they have bread in front of them. And what if I just set that down in a little plate in front of me, in front of the camera, just like right there. And we all bring our bread to this moment. Like we bring what we have. We bring our bread. We bring our wine, the simple things that Jesus used to represent um, his presence. And then the priest blesses all this. In the Anglican tradition, you know, it's a consecration. That's what we would say. Blesses all this at once. And it's simultaneous. It's live. And then he invites us. He says, the gifts of God for the people of God. In the Anglican tradition, that's the thing you say. And also the Methodist tradition, a bunch of others, right before you eat. And then we eat that together. Uh-huh. And he has blessed all the bread for that gathered body. It's all been at the same time. And it's sort of the blessing, and I'm saying, sort of goes through the Zoom call. You're smiling in a way that you're like, whoa, I don't know. Dude, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I, I struggle with it. I, the, the reason I'm thinking about, I think it was, I think I saw a meme this weekend on, with about Kenneth Copeland and he was like, okay. put your hand on the TV and yeah. I will heal you through the TV. <laughs> I mean, Oral Roberts famously did this. He said, touch the radio. While put I your hand you. on the radio mm-hmm. and sure. I will pray for you. Mm-hmm. Like that's what you're saying, right? Or is it different? Well, I want to make some distinctions. One, I think that Oral Roberts could pray for you, and I think reaching out for the radio could be a sign of faith. Okay. I'm not talking about crazy faith healing, and maybe sure. people associate a lot of stuff that's with fair. Oral Roberts. I'm just talking about there's a sign of faith there, too. Uh, that's a little different. It's broadcast. It's one way. Yeah. And I'm talking about looking for interactive ways to do this using video technology uh-huh. so that people can actually be present to each other and visage. And, the, and they could interact and say, maybe we could even say names or share prayer requests. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, there is a participation element to it. Like yeah. you're saying they're putting the bread in front of the screen. <laughs> but for the theologians among us, I just want to make two points real quick. One, the sacrament is present when the church is present. The church is part of the sacrament and the body of Christ would be gathered and present there. Mm-hmm. Two, the Holy Spirit is what makes efficacious the, the these symbols, these ordinary symbols of makes these means of grace. And the mm-hmm. presence of the Spirit is not physical. It is not a physicality. Oh, man. And so yeah. I think this is hard. I think it stretches us because we think that technology can't possibly be, that feels like a barrier or a weird mm-hmm. thing. 
but I think actually the spirit allows for this. I, uh, I'll say one more thing. I don't think this is the ordinary thing. So I'm not trying to make a case that this is how you do it all the time. I think the exception proves the rule. So but you're saying this is, this is a supplement for extreme cases. It's not a replacement for a normal Sunday. Yeah, I think so. But I think there okay. could be more cases than we think of this. And I think sure. the debate, again, is going to be jump-started by mm-hmm. COVID-19 and the way we understand how to use Slack and Skype and Zoom in our daily world. Well, and so it makes me think about back to the first segment we talked about and the ways that we're thinking about both the physical infection and the anxiety. Yeah. And both of those are relevant. As a kind of analogy to think about this, COVID is infecting people in a physical way, but there's also a reality of the anxiety that it's also creating. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a real thing mm-hmm. because people are present to its reality. In real effects, you're saying, and it's, you're not it's saying one, a real is, one is real and one is fake. You're saying these are both real in different ways. They're both real in different ways. Yeah. And, and so I find, that, I find that to be an interesting analogy for us as we think about what the church is doing online with communion. And we can say, well, one is real and one is not. But actually, no, our experience with COVID reminds us that actually they are both real, but they are real in different ways. And they have different effects yeah. to some degree. And so... I think it supports what you're saying, too, that what we do with communion and how we bring ourselves, how we participate in it is also a meaningful aspect of what communion is and can become for a body of believers gathered together physically or digitally. I think the concluding thought is that in both cases, we have to receive in faith. Mm. And this is mm. actually you know, a doctrine around the sacrament too because we don't say if we give a body and blood to a dog uh, the dog can receive that right we say there's a right. the, the, the faith of the person receiving that matters that's that's part of joining together with the Holy Spirit and makes that real for them and I, re- I can receive the communion in faith as the body of Christ and I think we need to receive in faith when you talk about the way anxiety has spread that line that God has told us over and over in all scriptures, which is, do not fear, I am with you. Mm-hmm. If we receive that in faith, we can believe it and trust him to take care of us through this. If we are unable to receive that, we will wind up scrambling to protect ourselves, which is not able to be done as a human. You have to trust the God that made us and loves us. Yeah. Yeah, it is uh, an unusual time. I can't remember a time like it in my lifetime. And I think even I've talked to my parents who are almost 70 in there. They can't really recall a time like it. So it feels a little unprecedented. And, yeah, we continue to pray together. And Yeah, we'll be praying for our friends through our podcast. We're praying for all yeah. y'all. Uh, pray for us that we yes. keep safe, that we trust God, um, that we can care for other people really well. I would love to hear what people are doing for church this coming week. So if you push, yeah. it, we're going to push this episode just randomly during whenever I get this done. So this is not <laughs> one of our planned episodes. Obviously, no one was planning anything like this. <laughs> so we'll push this. But let us know, like on Twitter or on Facebook, what you're doing for church this Sunday, whether you're live streaming or meeting up as a small group or Bible study or whatever. Yeah, we'd love to hear. What are you doing for church? What are you doing for communion? Right. So keep in touch. And thanks for doing this social distancing podcast with me, Adam. <laughs> yeah. Chris, good to see you. <laughs> 
Let's go viral. Okay, great. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. This episode was brought to you in part by the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast, an outreach dedicated to bringing joy, strength, intimacy, and purpose to couples seeking growth. Be sure to visit enneagramandmarriage.com to find your chemistry together again, or for the very first time.